entering the Freedom Hut. Schiff gives away the game on day two of the Senate impeachment trial. Also, you got some senators walking out. Libs are furious about that. Are we fighting Russia over there so we don't fight them over here? Trump will speak at the March for Life. Warren promises an intersectional cabinet. And a surgical gown shortage means a shortage of surgeries? Coming up. This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America, great. You're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. The president's misconduct cannot be decided at the ballot box. For we cannot be assured that the vote will be fairly won. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. The single most important moment of the marathon of Adam Schiff's testimony yesterday. Or not his testimony, his speechifying, his monologuing. It's like he's trying out for a high school declamation team. That's what we used to call it. It's a speech contest. Who can give the best prepared speech? Notice what he said. Okay, this is the guy, the point man for trying to convince the United States Senate to remove a president of the United States, duly elected by 63 million votes cast, to try and overturn that, eradicate, erase that, which can never really happen, I know, right? The election happened, Trump's been president for three years, but they want to undo that fundamental decision to give the president four years. That's true. They want to make that go away. And so then we ask ourselves, what really is going on here? We've been asking ourselves that question uh, every day, and we've been answering it because we know. But Adam Schiff gave us the answer in case we had any questions still lingering. For example, why, why do we have to go through this whole fiasco? Because the American people cannot be trusted, cannot be trusted to show their own judgment about this president and his conduct. The lib elites, the political apparatus, former Republicans who are now turncoats, who go to the other side, abandoning something, abandoning principles and causes that they claim to have cared about for decades of their professional lives. All of those people, they get to make the decision. The left, the libs, the media, the deep state, academia, Hollywood, they get a bigger say than all of you. And oh, by the way, not only does Schiff want you to know, as he says, that this cannot be entrusted to the American people. They talk about democracy so much, and yet they're so suspicious of democracy, aren't they? It's a system. Democracy alone does not give you a good outcome. It's just a process, a process for the distribution of political power. As we all know, we could sit here and look at times in history when there have been very bad outcomes from democracy. Most of you are probably saying, yes, that's right. Hitler was, in fact, democratically elected. Democracy does not mean good outcomes, but you're supposed to respect that process and hope that a just people will seek justice in the way they cast their votes. Democrats don't view us that way, though. Clearly, Adam Schiff thinks you can't be trusted to vote appropriately. Therefore, he would like to take away the possibility. He would like to remove that chance that you'll make the wrong vote. You'll make the wrong decision. Vote. 
for Donald Trump's reelection. Has to has to stop this. Has to cut it off at the pass. Can't allow this. And then that last part of it. We cannot be assured that the vote will be fairly won. Stunning stuff here. He's already laying the groundwork. He's already beginning the narrative, which has been in the background of this entire impeachment fiasco. That if Trump wins again, he didn't win fairly. He must have cheated. There's some way that he gamed the system illicitly. And therefore, what do we take from that? He's an illegitimate president, not my president. I have said this. I, I put this out on Twitter. I stand by it. I believe Trump will win re-election, as you know. I, I, I try not to say that too often. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I do believe Trump will win re-election. I also believe, and here are some other predictions. Maybe we should mark some of these down. Um, the House, if it maintains a Democrat majority, which who knows? I, I can't predict that for you. I don't know. Um, but the House of Representatives, if it has a Democrat majority, there'll be some effort. I don't know if it'll be successful or not, some effort to refuse to certify President Trump's reelection. Maybe eventually they'll cave, but they'll they'll do something. They'll say, oh, no, we you know, we can't. We all have a cold. We all have the flu. We can't come in and certify. I mean, they'll do whatever they have to do to cast doubt on the legitimacy. They are delegitimizing the very institutions of government that they pretend to care so much about. I mean, we were all treated to our own personal hell yesterday, those of us who had to watch this incredibly boring hearing, which I, I mean, all, all of this, the trial, the whole thing is so boring. And I'm watching it because there are important themes and things that come up during it, but it's not an entertaining thing at all. I mean, say what you will about the Kavanaugh hearings, it was gut-wrenching, it was like watching a an evil left-wing ritualized torture session of a good man on TV, it was engaging. This isn't even that. This is sitting there saying, I, I can't believe Adam Schiff thinks he should talk so much. I got a glimpse of what hell is yesterday. Hell is watching Adam Schiff speak for hours, hours it seems upon hours, about his newfound love of Ukraine George Washington, the Constitution, and Thomas Paine. That was what I took from yesterday. I mean, the Democrats usually speak about the Constitution as though they're talking about something kind of in the way. It's a bit. It's usually a bit sordid for them, a bit old, a little, little out of date, written by evil white males. And yet here we are, now being told that the Constitution is oh so sacred and Trump has violated it and that we cannot be assured that the vote will be fairly won you will my friends notice a pattern here the 2000 election they claimed was not fairly won because of bush v gore the the narrative there was the supreme court gave the election to george w bush that was what we were told and that really bush didn't win there's a whole movie about it on HBO, a preposterous movie with Kevin Spacey, by the way. A preposterous movie you can go check out. And then, of course, in 2016, we didn't really win. It was Russia. And now it's going to be, we didn't, you know, Trump didn't really win. It's 
there must be something with Ukraine, or he tried the same thing. These people are nuts. There is no reasoning with them on these issues anymore. I think they can't handle the prospect of being so foolish, so easily duped, so stupid, so emotional, that they would rather just live in a delusion. They'd rather just live in a world where they think that somehow all the things that they have believed all this time are true when they clearly are not. I mean, who can hear Adam Schiff talk about the, sh the, the, uh, the shining city on a hill and not have a bit of a queasy feeling in their stomach? Adam Schiff? Play clip four, please, Producer Mark. We have, for generations, been the shining city upon a hill that President Reagan described. America is not just a country, but also an idea. But what worth is that idea if, when tried, we do not affirm the values that underpin it? What will those nascent democracies around the world conclude that democracy is not only difficult, but maybe that it's too difficult? Maybe that it's impossible? And who will come to fill the void that we leave when the light from that shining city upon a hill is extinguished? The autocrats with whom we compete, who value not freedom and fair elections, but the unending rule of a repressive executive. Autocrats that value not freedom of the press and open debate, but disinformation, propaganda, and state-sanctioned lies. I mean, is he doing a Keith Olbermann impression from back in the day? Because that's a bit of what it reminds me of. The level of, of pomposity, self-importance. Perhaps if I speak about things in a way that makes it sound so utterly serious, the American people will be swayed to my case that the president didn't actually do anything but almost did a thing that would have resulted in nothing, but it sounds scary if I talk to you in this voice about it. And as if it was not clear how absolutely and utterly absurd this whole thing is, there was a moment yesterday when Adam Schiff actually said <laughs> that we had to do this we have to fight in you know russia in ukraine so we don't have to fight them here let me give you the actual exact quote because i have it um, it is so stupid it is so bizarre and absurd and yet do you think the media here we go the united states aids ukraine and her people so they can fight russia over there and we don't have to fight russia here is he that desperate for grandiose, sweeping, utterly moronic phrases that he'll just latch on to anything that sounds profound? Because the case is not only absurd, but also boring. Is that what this is really about? People are saying, oh, he did such a fabulous job yesterday. A fabulous job describing what exactly? That the president asked someone to find out information that would have been completely legitimate for him to find out about, despite Democrats pretending that there's no there there. He's allowed to ask a question, and he's allowed to withhold aid. He's allowed to decide to 
get answers as the commander in chief and as the executive in chief of the United States government. And that's where it really lies, my friends. That's it. After that, it's just a question of do you hate this president or do you accept this president? Adam Schiff will convince you that we have that that Ukraine is a, is a, a critical U.S. national security interest. So critical that we wouldn't even give them guns under the Obama administration. No lethal aid whatsoever. Sent them other things, but they wanted guns. They wanted lethal aid. That's what they needed because they were in a war. And now we are to believe these Democrats who tell us that this is the most important national security challenge of our of our time or one of them, a critical national security interest. How much are we really supposed to care about a border dispute in the east of Ukraine involving Russia? Ukraine is not a NATO country. Ukraine is an is an ally, but Ukraine also has to fight its own battles. Have we not learned anything about the last 20 years? We're not sending we should not be sending, I should say our soldiers to fight other people's battles all over the world anymore. People have to fight their own battles, their own interests at stake, their own safety, their own homes, their own lives. It's not for us to always just call up our best and bravest Americans and go try to solve the rest of the world's problems for them. I would hope we've learned that after the last 20 years, but Adam Schiff thinks that we're, we're helping fight them there so we don't have to fight the Russians here. Is he insane? We're not fighting the Russians. But remember... He told you what this whole thing was about and all, all of his all of his long and pompous and self-important nonsense. This is really just a this is really just a question of the Democrats recognizing they're probably going to lose the next election and they want you to believe that and they want their own base to believe that it's illegitimate. That Trump hasn't Trump cannot legitimately beat them again. Of course, he can, and I think he will. And I don't know how they will handle that, although I do know that they will fail to uh, certify immediately the uh, results of the next election just so they can keep this narrative. They can keep these stories going for their base, for the crazy left-wing loons who you know, want to believe Jussie Smollett and Greta Thunberg. And these are, these are people on the left that get listened to these days, believed. Let's take policy advice or let's take their word for it. Um. Adam Schiff. Let's listen to that guy. Remember the Adam Schiff who was telling us that he had all the proof of Russia-Trump collusion? Whatever happened to that? Oh, there was no proof. But he kept saying there was proof. The guy's a liar. But ultimately, anything is justifiable from their perspective because this is all about making sure that the next election that they think they might lose doesn't count. You see, it never counts when Democrats lose, when the left loses. The system is never important or even sacred when the left loses there's always some external reason and now like a bunch of crybabies they have settled on their favorite one you cheated you're in the freedom hut this is the buck sexton show podcast By most accounts, it was a virtuoso performance that drew praise from all sides yesterday. It was a stunning recitation of the facts that weave together constitutional framing, American history, and Donald Trump's laundry list of abuses of power and obstruction of Congress. We'll have that in a bit. We are going to have that in a bit, but Willie, at first, uh, why don't A virtuoso performance. There are people at home, and I feel badly for them, um, who... 
when Adam Schiff was doing this whole, it really is just like a, a play. It's theatrics. You know, he, he is playing a character up there. Uh, and he looks at some points like he's going to tear up because he loves the country so much. This is the man who lied to the American people. Adam Schiff lied to the American people for years about the president of the United States being a traitor to his country. Has Adam Schiff ever apologized for that? He was wrong, objectively. A question of fact here. He was wrong. Did he ever say anything about that? Oh, no, of course not. Now he just moves on to the next con. Look, Libs, maybe just deal with the fact that you have a president in office right now who's better at this than you thought he would be, who's better at this than the guy that you thought was a genius demigod before, before Trump, and... A lot of the things that, you know, the, the liberal elites and the Democratic Party have been telling themselves are true for quite a long time now just aren't. And I know that can be unsettling. I know, I know that that can make someone feel like what's going on in the world around me. But that is where we are. And if they were going to be honest about this, if they're going to be adults about this, they'd find themselves in a position to start to say, what is true about Trump and what is not? What has he done well? And what could he improve on? Instead, it's just everything Trump does is horrible. Laundry list of abuses of power. What's the la laundry list? There's We're talking about one incident. We're, we're all in this boring mess because of one thing. A phone call for which we have the transcript. And we are being told by Democrats in elected office and, of course, the media, their lackeys or maybe the Democrats, or, you know, who's the lackey of whom is, is a whole other conversation. But we're being told that the American people aren't allowed to decide whether or not that's an abuse of power. Our elected officials have to decide if that's an abuse of power. Keep in mind, when the Republican majority Senate acquits him, we'll be told that, oh, well, those officials were dishonest. They were cheating. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also live in a country in which we ask every citizen to serve on juries. And in the situation in which they're asked to do their civic duty and serve on juries, most of those people have other jobs they have to take leads from. If the trial goes for a long time, often they don't collect their paycheck from that. They are given a, a meager amount of money relative to what some of those people might make. And these people's jobs is to do this. I mean, this is literally the job. If you find it too annoying or frustrating or uncomfortable to sit for eight hours and listen, you can resign tomorrow and go get a another job but like this is your job <laughs> i gotta say i like this um libs were upset because as much as they're trying you know, on, on the one hand they're telling us adam schiff put on a virtuoso performance uh okay yeah so such a virtuoso performance that senators were like falling asleep People watching were, you know, you know that thing, this used to happen to me all the time. I was overtired, I feel like, for half of high school, where your head would bob down and it would come back up because you were so close to just passing out and slapping your face on the, on the desk in front of you. That was like most of the people who were stuck there watching this thing. There was nothing new. There's nothing we haven't heard before. It's all the same stuff. And then, but just with more, more emotive, more emotive from Adam Schiff, Thomas Paine, George Washington. At one point... <laughs> <laughs> At one point, Schiff, this was awesome. I was like, he's not really doing this, is he? He's like, when Washington crossed the Delaware. I'm like, we're going, we're, we're comparing Trump asking a foreign counterpart 
if there was some annoying meddling from some Ukrainian government officials in our election, which has been reported on by numerous media outlets that haven't retracted it. And oh, by the way, also, can you find out what was going on with the former vice president's son getting paid more than a normal Fortune 100 company board member while his dad's running foreign policy in that country for America? Seems like kind of an interesting thing. Can you get it? They're comparing that to George Washington risking it all with the roll of the dice going across the Delaware River and on Christmas Day, or was it the day after Christmas, uh, attacking an encampment of British soldiers which many say was able to keep Washington's army from being surrounded and annihilated. He's, th- th- these are the kinds of comparisons that Democrats make with a straight face, not just with a straight face, with a face full of emotion. This is what, this is what the country is facing right now. Oh, good heavens. I also have to tell you, and I, I haven't really said this to you before, but I, I do believe this. Uh, it, it's hard not to feel like justice in this case would be Uh, taking into account that Democrats have already tried for three years one version of Trump is a threat to the republic, Trump is a cheater who did not win the election, he worked with with our enemies, the Russians. Russia is not an enemy state, it's an oppositional state, but to call it an enemy state is to go too far, but worked with our Russian enemies uh, in order to win an election he would not have won otherwise, and therefore he betrayed the most fundamental values of our democracy. For three years, they ran around repeating this narrative. And I I love all these journalists, you know, these news anchors they'll have on. Oh, no, they didn't necessarily. They just ran stories that let their analysts then come on and all repeat that to their faces. And, you know, the Shudos and the Tappers and the and the Maddows are just sitting there just bobbing their heads. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, totally. Traitor. Trump's a traitor. Three years of that we've had. Lies. Lies. The people that were perpetrating that are either disgusting liars or total morons or a combination of those things. There's no accountability for them at all. They all still no no one. No one got fired for spreading all that disinformation. I mean, a few people got fired for running just objectively false single one off news stories that could be proven false right away, by the way. But those who concocted this narrative, which. I would also note, and I've spoken to many people, I spoke to the president himself about this, slowed down things in the White House, became a real drain on the White House's ability to handle other problems, created a siege mentality among senior administration officials. So don't think that just because they couldn't prove the lie, the lie was not useful to them. And I bring this up because... Why shouldn't we take that into account as, you, as we look now at this at their allegations about uh, the Ukraine conversation, you know, whatever they want to call this, the abuse of power around the Zelensky phone call? They lied to us about Russia collusion for three years. Why would I think that their judgment is sound now? And also, how am I supposed to gauge? How should I weigh? that they were willing to lie, cheat, steal, do whatever they had to do to try to take Trump out with the Mueller report, and it failed. And now they're trying it again with something else. Do I think that they're objective? I mean, if, if you think that these people are being honest and objective and ethical and they care about the Constitution, you're just not very smart. You're just not a very bright person. You've, you've been so brainwashed that you're not capable of looking at this with any sort of objectivity whatsoever, right? So... I, I think that that also needs to be factored in here. I mean, the same Adam Schiff that was telling us the president 
effectively cheated to win the election with Russia's help, is now claiming the president was, a, was trying to cheat with Ukraine's help in the next election. Well, he lied last time. Why do I think he's telling the truth this time? This is why it matters. It matters in a court of law, for example. It matters if you lie under oath. Unless you're uh, doing it for Democrats' benefit, like uh, Andy McCabe at the FBI, who, by the way, I still believe will not spend a day in jail for committing the felony of lying, I believe twice, under oath to the inspector general of the FBI. But different rules for Democrats. This is the country we live in now. It's really, in many ways, the most uh, damaging to, to our sense of of a, a government body and a, a law, a rule of law that is, is a, a central characteristic of our Americanness, of being an American. Living in a country where there are different standards, depending on whether you're on the left or on the right, when it comes to criminal law, that does pull us apart in, in very serious ways. That then does start to raise questions about how long are we going to be able to continue this way? Uh, but it was also really boring yesterday. It was just so boring. I didn't even, I was going to text producer Mark and make sure that he was watching every minute of it, but it went, it went super late. I'm glad I mean, Fox didn't carry it um, live throughout the whole night, which was, which was a mercy for their audience. Uh, but it went until, I don't know, it went until late again. We've heard all of this before. We know that they're not going to have the votes in the, in the Senate. So that all that's left is now to argue, to quibble, over what the process is going to be before we get to this this acquittal. And, you know, the president, for example, has said this. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be a recurring theme. You're going to hear him bring this up more. Uh, Producer Mark, play clip 12. I would rather go the long way. I would rather interview Bolton. I would rather interview a lot of people. Uh, the problem with John is that it's a national security problem. You know, you can't have somebody who's at national security. And uh, if you think about it, John, he knows some of my thoughts. He knows what I think about leaders. Uh, what happens if he reveals what I think about a certain leader and it's not very positive and that I have to deal on behalf of the country? It's going to be very hard. It's going to make the job very hard. Uh, he knows other things. And uh, I don't know if we left on the best of the terms. I would say probably not, you know. And so you don't like people testifying when uh, they didn't leave on good terms. And that was due to me, not due to him. I have been telling you this all along, and I stick with what I said. They should just shut this, have the vote, shut this thing down. Do not treat this with greater dignity and seriousness, these charges, than they deserve. They did not have a fair process in the House, and no fair-minded person would think otherwise. Trump was getting railroaded in the House the whole time. He was getting absolutely uh, unfair treatment, and we all, we all saw it. And now they're complaining that there's not fair treatment in the Senate? I'm sorry, no. What is the lesson, a critical lesson of Trumpism? Don't treat your enemies in a way that they will not treat you and have not treated you when there are real things at stake and you can't afford to lose. Don't just, don't just give them the benefit of the doubt and treat them with good faith after they've been spitting in your face and then they're going to get what they want in the end. No, I'm sorry. Trump has a better approach usually. And I think he's saying that he wants them to interview a lot of people knowing that that's very unlikely to happen, but I'm not sure. 
there's a, there's this big theory going around that Trump is going to show up himself and and testify because of the theatrics of it. That's not going. That's not going to happen. Just like there was that big theory during the Mueller probe that Trump was going to go under oath and subject himself to questioning by Robert Mueller, which, as we all know, would have absolutely, absolutely resulted in Mueller claiming that there was some some misstatement of fact, some untruth, some lie, whatever he was going to call it, that was told by the president of the United States under oath. And therefore, he would have had a felony. And, there, you know, and then then it would have been, oh, that's. That's why they forget about Russia and everything else. It would have just been the lie that he told Mueller. Ah, now we got him. This is the game these people are playing. It's just power politics. There's nothing about principles here. There's nothing about the good of the country and what's fair, what's right and what's just. That's why Adam Schiff, I mean, he doth protest. He doth protest too much about the Constitution and about the need to look at the warnings of the founding fathers. Oh, here's an example. We play uh, play 14. We are here today in this hallowed chamber undertaking this solemn action for only the third time in history because Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States, has acted precisely as Hamilton and his contemporaries feared. President Trump solicited foreign interference in our democratic elections, abusing the power of his office to seek help from abroad to improve his reelection prospects at home. And when he was caught, he used the powers of that office to obstruct the investigation into his own misconduct. Yes, this is what was keeping Hamilton up at night. A conversation with the president of Ukraine that resulted in no action whatsoever. A, a, a harmless ask was what it really was from the president of the United States. Hey, can you get me some answers on this thing? Thanks. That's it. Uh, and, you know, if the president felt like they weren't doing a good enough job on corruption and was going to withhold aid, and if, in fact, the answers about Biden and Burisma were part of not doing a good enough job on corruption, he's allowed to do that, as I have been saying all along. But now we go into, I, I guess, Producer Mark, we got another whole, is this on TV? It's all on TV all day today, right? This is another, guys, you know you know how devoted I am to this job. I don't know, I might, I might need to just watch like an hour or two of it and just call it a day. I, I just, it's so... There's just so little. I can always read the transcripts. That's what I've been doing. I'll read the transcript afterwards of the main speech by Schiff or the main main speech by Cipollone. Um, Cipollone did a fantastic job, by the way. But there's only so much of this that you can take. I mean, it really is true. Hell is being stuck in a room with no escape while Adam Schiff lectures you on the Constitution, George Washington, and the need for U.S. national security interests to be inextricably linked with that of Ukraine. Absurd, my friends. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Leader McConnell and Senate Republicans don't want a fair trial that considers all the evidence. On four separate votes, every Senate Republican voted against requesting relevant, relevant documents for the trial. On three other votes, every Senate Republican voted against calling relevant witnesses before the Senate. Oh, that's right. The House, though, didn't need to do any of that. They have no answer for this. I mean, their, their entire argument is moot the moment you recognize that all their demands now were completely skipped over when they had the votes and they had the power. They rammed through impeachment. Now that they don't have the votes, they want to cry and complain about the need for more evidence, the need for more witnesses, the need for all of this. Intelligent, reasonable people can see through this. 
It's very obvious. It's very obvious what is going on. And everyone can get all high and mighty, but, oh, it's about the republic. But we know what this is about. This is about the Democrats have a bunch of Looney Tunes socialists running for president. And they worry that any of the ones that they have, including Biden, are going to get crushed by President Trump when he runs for re-election, as he's running for re-election. And so they're desperate. They're desperate. This whole thing has been a desperation play from the very beginning. And now we're getting into, okay, if we go down this path, they should listen to Buck, hold the vote, acquit. We know the story. There's no there's nothing else that we have. There's nothing else that we have to know. It doesn't matter. I, I don't care. I don't care what someone else says they think was going on with the president because we know what actually happened. And I'm telling you that it's not impeachable and I don't and, and it doesn't matter. They can pretend it really matters as much as they want. It doesn't matter. And this whole thing is a pretense. This whole thing is putting on airs. But n- now they're going to tell you that, well, you can't. Ha- they get not only do they get to demand witnesses, they get to demand which witnesses. There was some talk yesterday of will there be a, a swap, a trade? Um, here's what Adam Schiff says about that. Play 10. This isn't like some fantasy football trade, as I said yesterday. This isn't, um, we'll offer you this if you'll give us that. We'll offer you a witness that is irrelevant and immaterial, who has no relevant testimony, but a witness that will allow us to smear a presidential candidate if you want to get a legitimate witness. That's not a trade. Uh, Trials aren't trades for witnesses. We offered last night to have the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court rule on a question of materiality for any of the witnesses. And you know something? Not surprisingly, the president's team was vehemently opposed. Not because the president's team doesn't trust the Chief Justice to make an impartial decision, but because they do trust the Chief Justice to make an impartial decision about materiality. No, because they have the votes. Why are they going to give that up? This is a political process shift. It's not a criminal trial. It is determined by politics, by politicians. So why would they cede what the, did the House cede their authority to, did Adam Schiff cede his authority to just do things how he wanted? Of course not. I keep coming back to it, that, that fantastic quote from Frank Herbert's Children of Dune. Yeah. When I have, uh, when I do not have power, I ask for freedom because it is according to your principles. When I do have power, I demand obedience because it is according to my principles. Or that's basically what he says, what he wrote. That's what Democrats do. That's their approach. Do what the Democrats say or the process is illegitimate. Give them everything they want. No concessions. No halfway. If you don't do that, the process is illegitimate. They're, they're a bunch of unethical babies. Schiff, all the rest of them. We can, it's transparent what they're doing. We see what they're doing. They don't really care. Because the people, the emotional Democrats, who are convinced of so many things about themselves that are not true in general because of their political beliefs, the emotional Democrats that are watching this, and I don't think it's even that many of them, they think that Schiff is a guardian of the republic. The second coming of Avenatti, you could say. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you see it from another perspective, or pretty much nothing has been done since the global emissions of CO2 has not uh, reduced. And uh, that is, of course, what we are trying to achieve, among other things. Uh, I mean, we're all fighting for, for the environment, 
and the climate. And if you see it from that aspect, what has concretely been done, I mean, if you see it from a bigger perspective, then basically nothing. So, but that, of course, we we had expected. Uh, it will require much more than this. This is just the very beginning. We are being scolded by a 17-year-old here for lack of the abandonment of civilization. That's, that is what is happening. I, I want to be very clear about this. To take us to zero CO2 emissions, which is the demand that we keep hearing, whether it's in one year or 10 years, would result in the cessation of modernity. And we, we would have to go back to... Uh, you know, I, I, by the way, it's not even possible. You you couldn't you you wouldn't be able to do this. I mean, you'd have you actually would have millions of people starve. You can't do this. You can't make food without petrochemicals. You can't make you can't transport it. You can't f keep it cold. You can't you can't feed the livestock. I mean, it's just this is insane. It's insane. So stupid and so foolish that a normal person would just dismiss this. Is this is. This is as intellectually worthwhile, this whole zero CO2 or else we're all going to die, as intellectually worthwhile as a person who is pushing a shopping cart down the street with a big sign that says, repent for we're all going to die in two hours. I mean, some of you are probably like, well, at least he's saying repent, but you know what I mean. I don't think you're going to go, oh my gosh, I saw a guy with a sign that says we're all going to die. I don't think you're going to do that. I also don't think that in any other aspect of your life, and I still, I remember when I was on, I was on the couch at Outnumbered, and some of the ladies there, one or two of them gave me a hard time about this. They were wrong. I was right. I was going to say it. Because I said that why not just ask Greta Thunberg what we should do about monetary policy? She has as much knowledge as a 17-year-old who hasn't been to school in apparently three years, which when you're a teenager, that really matters, okay? Uh, you're, you're actually losing, there's learning that's occurring that you are not getting. But, you know, by the way, when she's 18, she's an adult. Then can we just then it's then it's like we can totally talk about her ideas and talk about how stupid they are. Right. Right now, we're supposed to be nice because she's she's 17. She's going to be 18 soon. 18 is an adult. I, I just want to know where, you know, AOC is like 26, 27. Are we allowed to criticize her ideas or is she too young? Where are the lines? Again, no, I always tell you lips have no principles. It just all moves depending on what they need for their emotional impulses or their desire for power. There's no rules. There's, there's no respect. There's no sense of there's an order to things. And it's not just what you want when you want it. You see this with the whole Greta Thunberg fiasco. And, and I absolutely I stand by 100 percent. I mean, a thousand percent. I double down and triple down. I'll put it all on that place on the table where Buck gets to say, Buck gets to place a bet on, this is lunacy. That, you know, multimillionaire, you know, and news anchors at CNN and MSNBC and ABC are, are reporting on the commentary of a 17-year-old girl about climate. I mean, this is insane. This is absurd. They, does does any I, I challenge any human being on planet Earth to debate this issue? Anyone, anywhere, debate this issue with me. I'll, I'll go any. We're going to talk about this anywhere. I mean, it can't be some rando. It's got to be somebody I actually would enjoy crushing in a debate. So a blue check of some kind. But they'll they'll lose on this. They will lose just like there were all these blue checks. I brought up Jussie Smollett before. 
Why is it that I, I was doing a show here saying, you guys who are listening, remember, I was saying, Jussie Smollett lied. And this is before we knew all the stuff we know. Like, this guy's a liar. And I had people coming. How dare I had people who were coming after me publicly saying, I'm a I'm an you know an expert and I work with the Innocence Project and, and, and I know the law and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, you're an idiot. Because the guy's lying. <laughs> okay. And how do how is it that I how is it that I do this? I mean, how many times have I had to come in here when I've made a, a really strong proclamation on an issue like that early on? I was saying that they were lying about Kavanaugh before the fake gang rape allegations from Julie Swetnick and Michael Avenatti sitting in El Chapo's prison right now or his cell that he was held in at the Manhattan Correctional Facility. I think that's also where Epstein allegedly killed himself. But why was I able to figure that out? And the libs were not. To this day, one of my, I've told you this before, one of the things that makes me frustrated is the first time I heard about the, I knew the Duke lacrosse case was a lie, but that, based on the facts, but that also, I wasn't in public life yet, so I couldn't, that didn't give me an opportunity but the uh, uva fraternity i also knew that that was a lie based on just reading the story and i was too i wasn't certain enough to be willing to take the heat at that time for calling a rape a gang rape a hoax when as we know 100 percent hoax there's no human being alive today who could make the case otherwise the person who claimed it happened is like yeah okay i'm a i'm a kind of a crazy person and a liar um, but so I, that's a mistake that I promised I would never make again because I was very angry that I did uh, myself that I did not come forward as soon as I knew that that was fake. Because I told friends of mine, I'm like, this thing is fake. But Greta Thunberg, I walk around and I'm saying to people, OK, well, who wants to debate this issue? And, and they won't debate it, but then they'll take cheap shots when your back is turned. They'll say, oh, he's a child basher, Ch- child basher. Come on. Well, what is it? And also, at what point, you know how we can try juveniles as adults if the crime is bad enough? I mean, if your voice is elevated onto a global stage on a policy matter that has real implications, do we then get to treat you like an adult? Is that where we are? They did this with David Hogg. David Hogg, who's an adult now. No more child bashing. He's 18 or 19. Harvard accepted him, of course. These schools are all, they just pros these, these elite institutions now prostrate themselves for just a just a little taste just a hint of celebrity or relative of celebrity child of a democrat politician any school you want to go to any school you you could be illiterate any school you want to go to if you're the son or daughter of you know respected democrat senator or member of congress if you're a republican you know they're like go play in the you know go go make some hay bales or something you're not allowed depending on what kind of republic. If you're like a fancy establishment Republican, like a Bush, then I'll take you. But that's another conversation. <laughs> See, I keep it real. I keep it real. It's not quite as bad as if the Democrats, but you know, the Republicans, they will they will take some, some dumbasses at these schools if they have a fancy enough last name, even if it's a Republican one. So but on the Thunberg issue, why am I talking about this today? Um, well, Steve Mnuchin who's a very shrewd, very sharp guy. I actually know people. I've, I've talked to people in my, my own uh, you know, personal life who know Mnuchin from having worked with him in the past. Or, and they're all like, look, he's a, he's a smart guy. He's very, very, very wealthy. He's a smart guy. He made his own money. He didn't, he's not some inheritance trustafarian or anything else, but uh, he's a sharp dude. And he said today, uh, he, he, they're all mad at him now. Mnuchin says, this is the CNN headline, Greta Thunberg can explain U.S. economic policy after she studies economics in college. Uh, 
that and this was after this was uh, during a press briefing at the World Economic Forum in Davos. People just refer to it usually as the Davos you know, meeting or Davos period. Um, Greta Thunberg has called for a public and private sector divestment from fossil fuel companies. Does that pose a threat to U.S. economic growth? The reporter asked Mnuchin. Is she the chief economist or who is she? I'm confused, the secretary replied. It's a joke. Oh, they're not going to let him get away with that, though. After she goes and studies economics in college, she can come back and explain that to us. Greta Thunberg responded, my gap year ends in August, but it doesn't take a college degree in economics to realize that our remaining 1.5 degree carbon budget and ongoing fossil fuel subsidies and investments don't add up. So either you tell us how to achieve this mitigation or explain to future generations and those already affected by the climate emergency why we should abandon our climate commitments. Blah, 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 blather. What, what, does, this, what does this even mean? Let's, let's take a step back for a second to... Uh, public and private sector divestment from fossil fuel companies. This is crazy. I, I don't mean that this isn't a good idea. This is insane. This would be, as I said, the cessation of civilization as we know it. No, no more invest. So well, well, think about that. Way. If the public and the private divest, take all their funds out, which would also, I assume, have to mean you don't, we're not going to buy fossil fuels anymore, right? Because that money then goes to the fossil fuel companies. You know, ExxonMobil, British Petroleum goes to these companies. So we're going to, everyone has to sell all their stock, collapse the stock price. The public sector, no more subsidies, no more trying to get oil to people cheaply and, and natural gas and other things. And then, you know, don't buy it either. What, it's, the idea is so insane that it's hard to even think through what their prescription is. And Mnuchin swats this away, and you would think, okay, Buck, well, you know, maybe, maybe you know, the libs can be a little crazy on this, but they understand what's real. At some level, this is just sport for them. It's, it's the theatrics. They like this girl with a, uh, you know, a foreign accent who goes around scolding the world. Like, liberals enjoy this for some reason. Does she, she doesn't show up in China and India and scold them, by the way. It's always, you know, basically America and Europe. We're like, oh, my gosh. She's she's like a prophet of climate. We have to no, no. She doesn't know anything, and yet all these liberals who are supposed to be information employees, people that that they gather, they learn stuff, they disseminate information and knowledge. That's their entire job. That's what they get up every day to do. Are either too stupid or too dishonest to call this out for what it is, which is that it is it is patently absurd. It's just completely and utterly absurd. I want to bring you into some examples of that, actually. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. So, you know, I, I speak in these generalities. We're talking about the Greta Thunberg situation. 17-year-old girl says divest public and private sector divestment from all fossil fuel companies, right? So all think of it like all oil and gas companies all over the world, which, by the way, would mean that the national... The national economies of countries like Russia and Saudi Arabia and, you know, and Iraq and Iran and Nigeria and countries with hundreds of millions, hundreds of millions of people, their national economies would collapse overnight. Does she have a plan for this? Does Elizabeth Warren have a five-year plan for this? Now, Greta, Greta Thunberg has no plan for this. But she says this, and people that are supposed to be knowledge workers... Just just eat it up like a bunch of complete and utter imbeciles. 
And and here I have a there's a great thread here. There, this is this gentleman is, is a Daily Beast and MSNBC guy named Sam Stein. So Greta Thunberg is being treated. She's at Davos. She's being treated like somebody we all have to listen to. This global leadership forum that presidents go to. Very important people go to this thing. Sam Stein from from uh, whatever the place is was I just yeah Daily Beast, which is one of the worst trash websites on planet Earth, but. Uh, I really would love to better understand the psychology behind why Greta Thunberg seems to drive prominent Republicans and Trumpians so nuts. She doesn't drive us nuts, you moron. Why do you listen to her? Why do you cover her as a news story all the time? Why do you not ask any challenging questions? Why do you use the platforms you have to magnify the message of pure ignorance, which is what she is spreading? This is just ignorance. And then if anyone tries to criticize it, which we are allowed, if you're going to force this in the national conversation by blasting it from all the airwaves, shouldn't we be allowed to say that this is silly? This is nonsense? Shouldn't we be allowed to make those claims? Oh, no, of course not. That's, that's not allowed. Then you're being mean. It's not just him. Michelle Goldberg, she's a New York Times columnist. Here you go. She responds to him. Thunberg, Greta Thunberg, she's a young woman who challenges them and doesn't smile. Yeah, that's why we have a problem with it, because she's a young woman who... I, this is what... Journalists are the worst people, and they're really kind of stupid. They're just, they're just actors that can write a little better and sound a little smarter sometimes, for the most part. They're, they're really dumb. And, I, I, and I'm not somebody that... I didn't go to J school, I wasn't trained to do this, whatever. I actually tried to do real things for a while. And uh, how could anyone be so... This is a New York Times columnist. I'm just reading... This is, this is just the comment thread that these are all blue checks. People, you know, they're, they're showing you their psychology here around Greta Thunberg. They don't understand that this is bizarre. I mean, it's like laughably... And also, uh, it's uncomfortably bizarre now. Because are these people really... Are they in some kind of weird climate change cult? Elisa uh, Elise Hogue... The president of NARAL, Pro-Choice America. Wow, I didn't even know who that was, but that's that's a pretty, whew, that's a macabre organization. Um, it's their deep fear of powerful women. The fact that she's young and learned not to, she writes something else, but care early in life makes her even more terrifying. What if there's a whole generation of young women who don't care? That's their kryptonite. Um. No, you know what's scary? A whole generation of young women who would mimic Greta Thunberg and go speak about issues that they have no background or knowledge of and then hope that everyone just defends them. I mean, they're, they're, she's actually sort of playing the youth and woman card here. That's not what we want women to do. If you want to put your ideas out there in public, you should welcome people trying to explain why or de- debate why your ideas are wrong, especially on a matter of such great importance is this maggie sirota staff writer at spin bylines at esquire glamour yeah another left-wing female writer same thing that makes them go insane over david hogg the unimpeachable moral clarity of their arguments are these people total morons i really i mean i i have to they don't understand why a 17 year old with no knowledge of economics or science being given a platform at Davos, interviewed by CNN, Time Magazine Person of the Year, 
telling us to divest from fossil fuel companies, a patently, maniacally, aggressively stupid thing to say and want anyone to do. And people are listening. Adults are believing this. Adults think that this is something that they should pay attention to. And, and these writers, I mean, they are writers, but they're not very good. These writers are all taking this position that we're the problem. Do, do, do any, I mean, I, I put out the challenge. Any, any writer, these oh, oh so smart, I mean, because they wear like smart glasses and use like hip language at The Nation, at Salon, at Slate. Let's debate Greta Thunberg as a messenger of climate change. Anybody, anywhere, let's have this debate. Because I can't debate her, right? She's 17, then I'm a bully and I'm mean and all the whole thing. So let's have somebody else stand in for her. And why, why should this be, why should the media magnify the message of an ignorant 17-year-old about divesting from fossil fuel companies? A very specific charge. This is what she's saying should be done. And people that have been brainwashed think, yeah, that's a good idea. And then they get in their car and they drive to a store that uses energy derived from fossil fuel to keep their food cold. Then they get back in their car to go back to their home that is either kept warm or cold, depending on what they need, by fossil fuels in a house full of products that, by the way, 50% of fossil fuel usage goes into making the products in their home. Things like plastic, things, I mean, these people are so ignorant. It's like they never learned anything. They don't read books. They just talk about the books that other people that they think sound smart say they've read. And then they tweet snarky things at each other. I mean, I, by the way, this list goes on and on and on. Blue checks all taking the same. Yeah. Why is Greta so threatening to Republicans? I want to ask, why are leftists so stupid? What, what has happened to them? The, the left used to have a real intellectual tradition that at least was worthy of grappling with. This is just insanity. I mean, this is people that, uh, you know, like roll, roll around on the street, you know, muttering to themselves. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gerald Nadler, I've known him a long time. He's a sleazebag. Everybody knows that. Uh, Pat Cipollone is a high-quality human being. I was very impressed with Pat. He had great emotion yesterday. I, Pat's a brilliant guy, but... I've never seen that emotion, and that's real emotion. That's because he knows this is a hoax, and uh, I was very proud of the job he did. I like the way the president speaks about these uh, sleazy Democrats. I think it's I think it's appropriate. I think that it needs to be said the way that he says it, and I I, I got to tell you I like it. But there's something else. I just I wanted to play that just because it's kind of you know brings a smile to my face. The president will just say it to tell it like it is about this stuff. I also want to point out that the the president who we, we, were, we were told, and, and there was a real, a real condescension from a lot of people, including a lot of conservatives early on, about anyone who is religious in a traditional Christian religious sense, right? I mean, not, I know there's all this, uh, you know, there are these churches now that it's like you're showing up to a rock concert and it's like if you pray enough, you're going to get more money because that's what God does. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. And I look, I don't, I don't talk about the religious stuff here very much, but there's a lot of stuff out there that I think people should ask. Um, good and well-intentioned, good Christians should ask more questions like what's really going on here with these guys. Uh, but that said, Christians have received a lot of uh, shade. I think people, you know, they've received a lot of condescension from the media and from others for 
saying that, well, even if Trump himself has not live, lived a life that seems particularly Christian, he's an ally of Christians as president with his policies and his actions. And we've been told that that's a, you know, that was a Faustian bargain. And people who say that, of course, never know who Faust is. But, you know, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. Um, but we've been told that. And now it's, it comes out that President Trump is going to be the first president, first Republican president to uh, go and speak at the March for Life, where you have usually over 100,000 people who gather to march for life in Washington, D.C. And uh, they do such important they do such important work, uh, the people that show up at this, and their message is one of uh, such importance. It is remarkable that you have not had other presidents who claim to be pro-life, personally and publicly in their policies, show up and give a bit more support. I mean, the media always tries to just, they give the bare minimum. Yeah, there's this thing going on. It's called the March for Life. It's anti-abortion stuff, you know, anti-women. That's what they, the way they talk about it, it's like there's a, uh, you know, there's a, a two-for-one sale going on at at Walmart for deck chairs or something. I mean, they just they could care less, right? They try to just eh, push it aside, uh, even though it's a very large, very successful year-in and year-out rally. It's been going on for quite some time, and President Trump will be the first president ever to uh, to go, and he's going to deliver a speech in person this Friday. By the way, March for Life is in its 47th year, and it usually has about a hundred thousand people who show up. Um, and you know what's interesting about the people who show up? Put aside for fact, put, put aside for just a second that they're showing up for a, a blessed reason. But beyond that, uh, they show up and they know why they're there. They're not being used by anybody. They know why they're there. You can compare this to so many of these left-wing rallies that get all this praise from the media. The Women's March. Now it was an anti-Trump march featuring a lot of women. <laughs> it's like they don't even know why they're there. March for Life knows why why they're there, and uh, God bless them, and, and I hope that they have a fantastic year this year in D.C., and I'm very, very proud the president's going. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Special treat for all of you watching, listening. We got our friend David Harsanyi back in the mix. He's, of course, senior writer at National Review. And he is joining us now to talk about all of the things. Mr. Harsanyi, always a pleasure. Always great to be here. Thanks. So I want to talk to you about the, the Glenn Greenwald situation and the way that journalists are um, talking or not talking about that. But but I did, I did a couple of things first because we've been discussing a lot of things today on the show. I, I just what's kind of your what's your 30,000 foot take? This is how Buck loves to ask this question on um, this whole Senate trial thing at this point. Adam Schiff. What, what, where's Harsanyi and all this stuff? I'm having a lot of trouble getting excited about uh, impeachment. It should be, I think, far more entertaining at the very least, since it doesn't really matter. Nothing's going to change. I don't think anyone's changing their mind. I don't, you know, I don't think it's, you know, he's going to be removed, or that even maybe even one Republican senator is going to 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 want to remove him in the end. Um, I did notice yesterday that Adam Schiff was being before pretending that he had, you know, he was the next, you know, Cato the the elder, you know, just the greatest order whoever lived. And I found that kind of humorous because whenever I tuned in, I was just completely bored. I'm not saying he gave a bad speech, but it was middling, I think, and he's sort of a middling politician. But 
Anyway, so my my view of this is that everyone knows what's going on. We're repeating the same things over and over again, and nothing's going to really change on the ground. And maybe other than a few districts, you know, up for grabs in the middle of America somewhere. I don't know. What do you think Democrats are trying to really get out of this? Is is this just a base play? They had no choice. The base is crazy, and they got to feed the crazy to the base. Yeah, I mean, once Pelosi was in, uh, I mean, there, well, what else can they do? They're going to have to follow it through to the end. And the best thing to do is to, to, to put forward the best case you can. And for them, the best case is to be very nonspecific and to just generally say that this man shouldn't be president and we're going to throw everything we can out there. It's just simply not a reason to impeach a president. Yeah, it just strikes me as the whole thing is, is such a it really is such a sham. But we're just I mean, we we're talking about bribery, right? And uh, all kinds of different specific criminal, supposed criminal activities. And now, you know, we're back to saying that the Russians stole the election and that if we let Donald Trump run again, you know, they're going to steal the election again, which is just a conspiracy theory. And no one even calls the guy out on it. I mean, yeah, I, I also I, I like I'm fond of reminding everyone because sometimes people say no. And then I say, go Google it. That the in, the in the early days of the whistleblower thing, and this audience knows what I'm going to say, but the the, the initial uh, oh we got him was that it was a campaign finance violation. Do you remember that? That was my favorite. That accepting no. a thing of value from Ukraine, trying to elicit a thing of value from Ukraine, was a campaign finance violation. Right. I don't. There's another argument I don't get. First of all, I, I don't think that it's illegal what he did criminally nope. illegal anyway. Even if it was, even everything if they said was true. But I don't get this idea that because he supposedly was doing it for person, some kind of personal gain, that it's worse than presidents who undermine the Constitution. For me, the precedent-setting set, uh, you know, attacks on the Constitution are far worse than some guy who's trying to you know, personally benefit in some political way. That, that guy goes away, and the other presidents who just, you know, destroyed parts of the Constitution basically you know, have set precedent. So I don't get that argument either. And, and just be- before we get to the Glenn Greenwald situation— I'm sure you've, you've probably seen that Mnuchin kind of dismissed Greta. I mean, Greta Thunberg is calling for a, divest, a divesting uh, public and private sectors from fossil fuel companies, which I, I keep saying to everyone. I mean, David, is it fair? You, you're, you know, I, I always respect your opinion. You tell me what you think, even if you don't necessarily line up with me. I don't think there's a way to describe that as a plan other than to say that it's crazy. I think that's crazy. It is more than crazy. It essentially is saying that we have to undo modernity. I mean, it's just so stupid. He wasn't listening and to the show before, friends, but what did I say on the show? That's exactly <laughs> what I said. It's so stupid that any human being who takes it seriously is not very smart. Like, any adult that hears that and goes, yeah, is not very smart. But I, I did this thing before you came on. I read, I mean, blue checks, Sam Stein, Michelle Goldberg, going down all these blue checks that write for fancy places, David, who are like, what, why, why do they have to? Why is Greta Thunberg so threatening to Republicans? Why do they feel the need to like bash her ideas? Are, are they stupid? Like, how does Michelle Goldberg at the New York Times not understand why divesting from fossil fuel companies isn't? So, like, try to help me work through this. I've been, I think about this topic a lot, and there's no. I am not threatened by the teenage girl. I'm threatened by the people who take her seriously because they sometimes hold positions of power and they are in the media and they are policymakers. And the idea that we should t- take on the tremendous cost of even trying to reach, you know, emission standards that uh, levels that, that Democrats say they want, which is far, far less than what Greta Thunberg is saying, is insane also. Um, it essentially means destroying society. I know it will never happen because people have shown me that they're not willing to even 
give up anything, you know, in this fight against climate change. They just want to force others to do it. So, I mean, it's insane. I don't know. I can't make sense of it. I haven't been able to make sense of it at all. I mean, you know, we've gone through these, these Malthusian people who think the world's always ending. They're always with us. They're always wrong. And it never ends. Yeah, I kind of. At some level, I also sort of throw my hands up in the air. But but the but the the, the journalists from elite publications who who are we should all listen to Greta Thunberg, and you're not allowed to criticize her, even when she says it's one thing to say like to be on the climate change train. But the specific divest from fossil fuel companies that is essentially like telling every human being, um, you know, just like go go jump off a bridge. Like it's it's completely insane, and that what, they. What? like the fossil fuel companies are forcing you to use fossil fuel or something i mean this is the energy that's affordable it's 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 efficient we use it to to do everything in our lives that you can imagine it makes our lives better in almost every way and we treat them like they're nazis or something i mean you know they don't force you you don't have to use all go out into the woods camp use wood whatever you want but you know um, the idea that, you, that that society society should be compelled to divest from them is just it's ridiculous. It's something uh, uh, someone who doesn't understand basic economics or doesn't and, care and about. And yet, and yet, I mean, I, I know that I'm asking you for kind of a thought experiment here. I mean, if if you and I sat down with the editorial board of the New York Times, and 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 we tried to get them to do, like, I feel like they would. Well, I mean, what would they say? Would they disagree with that? I, just, I, I can't understand this. Well, they, they would walk it back and they would say, yes, of course, that's a little much, you know, right away. We have to work towards that. It's always working towards that. I don't actually want to work towards that at all. I mean, people, I, I, I'm a, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I believe in climate change, that, that, that there's change in the climate. I just, I just. I don't think it's a big deal. True. Yeah, I just don't care. Yeah, I just and, don't care um, either. Okay, so we're, we're totally yeah. aligned on that one. All right, so now let's get to, uh, I mean, Tucker last night had a shout-out at the end of his show to uh, Glenn Greenwald. Producer Mark, please hit clip seven. Glenn Greenwald, a reporter of The Intercept, has been on the show many times. He was charged in Brazil yesterday. He's been accused of committing a series of crimes for printing text messages between government leaders as part of an expose on official corruption there. Now, if convicted, he faces a long term in some of the harshest prisons in the world. He could die in them. Greenwald is an American citizen. He could probably find a way to fly back to New York tomorrow if he wanted, but he's refusing. He's pledging to stay in Brazil and fight, and we're not surprised by that. At the height of the Russia hysteria, Greenwald stood virtually alone on the American left in calling the witch hunt what it was. Dozens of times he came to this channel to say what he thought was true at great personal cost to himself. Former friends hated him for breaking ranks. They denounced him. They tried to get him bounced out of his job. Even now, as he faces jail, some are still attacking him. But he bowled forward anyway because he thought it was the right thing to do. He's that tough and that self-directed. That's something to admire, and we do admire it. Glenn Greenwald, we are rooting for you tonight. Some strong words from Tucker there on, on Glenn's behalf. I just, David, first tell everybody what's going on, and then I want to get into where are all the big journos on this one. Yeah, I mean, I should preface this by just saying that I, I, you know, I, I strongly, strongly disagree with Glenn Greenwald on, on a number of issues, and some of them I actually I find detestable. Yeah, he's you know? heinous. I mean, he's heinous on Israel. He's heinous on terrorists. I've debated him on MSNBC yeah, yeah. on jihadism. He thinks jihadism is basically our fault. And I'm like, yeah, explain yeah. that to you know Hindus. Explain it. There's a whole anyway, whole other conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, his but, view of history and his view sometimes of Jews in general, I, I don't like it at all. But we'll say this. He's a principled guy, you know, he doesn't, it's not like he just, he's not partisan at all. And I think he's a principled guy and I think he's a journalist. Um, so, meaning I, I don't, you know, he breaks stories. He's broken and helped break stories in this country that has changed the way we think about government surveillance. And that's something uh, that you have to take into account when you talk about him. So now he's in Brazil and he lives there. Uh, his husband is there. 
His husband is a member of the of the opposition. We have to mention, of course, that he's a political player. He's ideological. He's not, you know, some unbiased journalist. But that doesn't mean that what he does is not true or the things that he exposes aren't true. And, you know, the government of Brazil um, has been embarrassed by him because he's it's, it's kind of a convoluted story. But he is. He has text messages between government officials that brought down the last government, you know, and, and so so it's convoluted. But what he's done is what journalists should be doing. You know, he's found information that people, powerful people were hiding and he and he brought it to the public's attention. Um, and, you know, and now he's being uh, charged with um, sort of like some kind of hacking law that he's helped a criminal conspiracy, you know, he's part of a criminal conspiracy. Um, but in my view, what he's done is what journalists do here all the time, which is uh, tell sources how to protect blowers. themselves. Yeah, yeah, and, and then protect them and protect their sources, which any journalist would do. I don't know how much of this you've seen, but I've certainly seen there are people on the left, journalists on the left, who are kind of celebrating this or are kind of saying, you know, ha ha, too bad for you about Glenn Greenwald, which I just think is a reminder that these people that pretend to have principles in the in the realm of left wing journalism have none. Oh, yeah, I mean, give me a break. They, you know, what, during the Obama administration, you had uh, the administration spying and, and on on journalists. You had them charging journalists as well, and 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 throwing a guy who had made a YouTube video that upset some people in jail, things like that. And you you hardly heard a peep from them. They, their their concern is very skewed in one direction and only under certain presidents. David, what I mean, are you I didn't, about see, I didn't see the things you saw. I don't know if people were mocking it or not, but. Um, I haven't seen anyone actually where many people stand up for him. I mean, this would be a huge story if if it had been a journalist who they still liked, you know. Well, now that, that's he, the other part of this, too. Like, why aren't why aren't journalists? I mean, journalists circled the wagons around Manu Raju of CNN because a senator said, like, you're a hack. Right. They acted like this was, you know, the, the, this was like, you know, the, the, the worst thing that had ever happened in American journalism or at least, you know, in a while. And that was nothing. And this is a guy who is an American still, who does do some real journalism. You and I agree some of his opinions are horrifically bad, but he does do real journalism. And there's like, you know, nothing. And I think I, I think it's because he's considered a traitor because of Russia collusion. I think that's what that's all about. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you have journalists in this country acting like their lives are in danger when they're covering Donald Trump. If, you know, I forgot the name of Acosta's book, but I mean, it's so laughable. And uh, they act as if you know, as if they they can't do their jobs. Meanwhile, I don't think the Trump administration has done anything to inhibit journalists from doing their job. Um, they're out there bashing the guy all the time, which is fine. They're allowed to do that. Um, but when you have someone who is well-known but a traitor to his, you know, people, uh, you know, being who might, <laughs> might end up in jail for doing journalism, there's very little outcry. It reminds me a little bit, though, not to the same extent of, of how when, you know, they sort of turned on Christopher Hitchens when he decided that he, you know, you know, that, that he was for the Iraq war, et cetera. Well, and jihadism was like actually a real problem <laughs> for yeah, everybody. Yeah. And, and not just not just something that's a legacy of colonialism that if we ignore it, it'll all go away and it's fine. Yeah, right, uh, right. I remember those days, too. Uh, David, what are you writing on this week? And uh, NashReview.com to check it out for everybody. But what are you writing on? Uh, I don't know. I wrote a, a piece that uh, was just released uh, in the magazine that's about sort of how we, we, we view the world as if it's, it is, we're always heading in the wrong direction and things are getting worse when, in fact, things are getting better for most people in the world. And it's this weird disconnect that I don't really understand. Things are getting, I tell them, things are getting better all the time. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Well, that's, the, that's the headline. I just, do you remember, uh, did you ever, like, go on road trips when you were a kid? Of course. Do you remember 
what it was like. I remember going on family road trips and like trying to find something that wasn't fast food that was like edible food was like a mission. You know, you had right. to like know somebody with some local knowledge or whatever. Now, I, I know this is a small thing, but there's amazing food like everywhere in America. It's everywhere. Uh, it's am- the, you know, going to a Chinese food place would be like the exotic food that you went to when you were a kid. Like I, Thai food, Afghan food, whatever, you know, you can get whatever you want right now. It's funny that you mentioned, I mean, you know, I talk about a cell phone and all the amazing things that are in a cell phone. You know, it's like when we used to drive as kids, they'd have to unfurl a giant map and figure out where you were going, argue, you probably lost you know, hundreds of hours in your life just arguing over how to get to places. And now you literally have a a satellite system in your phone, in your car, wherever you are. It's just amazing. It is indeed. David Harshani, well, I'll check that one out because I like that because the world is getting better. And people, I tell people that watch, that listen to the show, watch the show that because they need to hear it because everyone's always like, we're all going to die. Not not true. Well, we are all going to die, but the world's getting better (laughs) all the time. We all are going to die. Yeah. David, (laughs) we'll end on that one. David Harshani, everybody. (laughs) Thanks, David. Thank you. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. They're really trying to take it away from him again. I mean, when Hillary says nobody likes him, nobody likes her. That's why she lost. I mean, nobody liked her. She had every advantage. She had this big machine behind her. She had the Obama. She had that. She had everybody behind. And and it wasn't even close. You look at 306 to 223. Uh, she uh, She's the one that people don't like. I mean, I think if, you, if I had my choice in terms of personality, I might take him over her. But I probably would take neither. Biden's going to be interesting because he can't string together a sentence. And if he makes it, if he makes it, you know, he seems to have a little bit of an edge right now, but it's it's rapidly disappearing. Bernie is surging. There's no question about it. And Bernie seems to be the one the party wants. But my attitude is whoever it is, it is. Whoever it is, I think it's probably going to. Well, well, I'll stop making election predictions. Uh, but I did like his point here that it's funny for Hillary Clinton to say no one likes Bernie because, I mean, you know, I, I guess that's, you know, Democrats like Hillary Clinton as a politician, but personally, from everything I've heard from people who spend a lot of time around her, she is a not a likable human being. Um, that is that is the consensus that I've heard from many, many folks. I, I don't I've never met her. I don't think she'll ever talk to me, but that's fine. Not some not some big surprise. Not some big surprise there. Um, so we'll have to see. By the way, producer Mark, you see that uh, you see that Eli Manning is retiring. And that I dropped some I dropped some sports knowledge on the Twitter. You didn't really drop knowledge. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on. I had that Eli Manning. This is my tweet for everybody at home. Mm. That Eli Manning, say what you will about him, but he won two of the greatest victories in the history of football in 2007 and 2011. Did you even winning. watch those two games? Yes, I did. Wow. Yeah. See, that's why I knew about them because yeah. I watched those. Because that. Congratulations! Was, you I live watched, in New York and you know that Eli Manning won 2007, two Super Bowls. 2011, won those Super. Do you remember the 2007 Super Bowl? Of course I do. That might have been the most exciting sports event I've ever yeah. watched on TV anywhere. It was, I mean, could you at least agree that that may have been the best football game you've ever seen? That I've ever seen? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Is there anything I'm sure there that, were better, better in, in no, that, over but time. that you've seen. That I've seen, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, also to beat the New England Patriots, who I remember were the invincible team. They, at they that were 18-0. and 0. Yes. To beat them in the Super Bowl was, like, unthinkable. And yet Eli Manning pulled it off. So do you consider him a, a all-time great quarterback? Oh, no. He's terrible. This is my hot take on this. I don't know if we have time. Yeah, you got about a minute. Okay. My hot take on this is that he's the most average quarterback in NFL history. Other than the eight games he played to win those two Super Bowls, the two playoff runs, he's 171 and 171 in his career. 
That is the definition of average. And he's the all-time leader in interceptions thrown. That's not a good thing. Uh, I did not know that. He'll only get into the Hall of Fame because he was Super Bowl MVP twice. Well, I mean, those were yes. two of the most incredible wins. Which in the they history are. Of the I sport, agree. Right? And I appreciate it. As a Giants fan, I appreciate him but for see, this it. Is he's like, not very good. Is, is, it all, is it about rings or is it about like overall stats? You know, when you look at your life, when you look back at the career, what matters more? I mean, you appreciate the rings. Appreciate but the overall, rings. watching him for that long, he wasn't very good. Who's the Giants quarterback now? <sighs> well, Daniel Jones. Wow. I don't even know that. He's from Duke. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm so assuming he's not very good because the Giants are not very good. Um, it, he was a rookie last year. So. All right, fair enough. Maybe he'll get a little bit better. See, Buck knows some things about the sports. That's all I wanted to talk about there. So we got that out. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like soft butter on warm toast. Time to spread some freedom coast to coast. It's time for Roll Call. Indeed it is. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton for Roll Call purposes. Also, uh, Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. That is how we get this party going. That's how we get it crackalagging. John is going to kick us off here. Buck, you have an amazing swoop on climate change. Of course the climate is changing. Otherwise, we would live in ice or lava or something. But are we doing it as humans? No, of course not. That's stupid and arrogant. We got out of the ice age without cars. All right, John. I, I like I like where your head's at on that one. I think I'm pretty uh, pretty well aligned with you on this. All right, let's see what we have next here. Mark, Buck the Beast is a 1988 movie about a tank crew lost in afghanistan actually pretty good for a relatively unknown movie by the way producer mark has become essential to the show 27 going on 52 somehow works <laughs> uh, i am 26 thank you very there much there we go for like He's another even, two like months generation z they still check his id when he tries to buy beer you that's only realize. because i have a baby face yeah but like i'm you're you're a youngin you're a youngin i'm gonna be 40 I'm going to be 40 soon. Yeah, you're old. Old man, I but know. But like, you look older because of the beard. Yeah, that's true, too. So I showed somebody a photo of me even from two years ago without the beard, and, and, and she was like, oh, my gosh, you're yeah. really young. If you like, shaved, was... you would get carded. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's why I got – and I got a couple of grays in the beard now, and mm. I want to, like, you know, sort of wax them out so people can see them a little bit more. Not not pull them out. I mean, like, make them more prominent so that it looks like I've got Oh, some you distinguished... want them out. You don't oh, yeah. want to, like, pluck them. That's no, 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 no. I mean, like, I want them to be, you know, wax them out was the wrong phrase. I yeah. meant, like, tease them out so people can say, hey, look at that gray-bearded fellow. He must have some wisdom. Just dye your whole beard gray. That would be quite a look if I had the, the yeah. swoop one color and the beard another. I think some people do. The beard does go... Your your hair color changes more rapidly on your facial yes. hair than on your eyes. You see, look at Ted Cruz, who's kind of got like a Wolverine beard. Like I give the guy credit, like the Wolverine beard for him works. It's like a silverish yeah, color. Yeah. This you point. remember he? Actually, uh, you weren't. We weren't. Uh, you weren't yet working the show. He actually gave me a beard shout out once on Twitter. Yes, yeah, I've heard well, you talk about it. Welcome to. The, I know it was very exciting for me. I said thank oh. you, Senator Cruz. Welcome to the Beard Club. Um, all right, Chris is, and of course, yes, producer Mark is central to the show. He already knows that, and I keep telling him, I'm only, I'm the only one who's allowed to have a big head in here, too big yeah, for hats. I'm the me. straw that stirs the drink. Um, so Chris is next up. Let's see if he has a, a, uh, 
It's not a paper straw, though, right? Let's, let's, just, make, let's just make sure. I don't. You, are you saying I, I disintegrate? No, I just, just you know, just making sure that you're not one of those paper straws. No, you're I'm, a plastic I'm a, straw. I'm a metal straw. You're a real straw. Yeah, that gets the job done. I had a friend sent me from her office uh, that they just transitioned to paper straws, yeah. and she's like, "Can you? She's in the caption, Can you do something about this?" I was like, "No, unfortunately." That was another thing about San Francisco. No straws. Well, paper straws if you wanted a straw. Paper straw Awful. does not. It is not okay. No, I'd rather drink a drink with no straw, which is what I did. Yeah. Do you leave it? Do you leave straws in your alcohol mixed beverages? Yeah. Or do you pull it out because you think that like, like the little mini get, straws? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You I leave prefer, a straw just because it's with the ice, it gets all over your face. Do you and then... drink out of the mini straw? Though? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, I do. I don't know about that. We'll see. There's gonna be some people at home are gonna weigh well, in. Well, I on put this like one. two or three in it. So it's like you're drinking out of a normal straw when the option for a normal straw isn't there. Ah, wow. You triple up on mini straw. Yeah. That's one way to go. Hmm? Chris writes, hey, Buck, since you were talking college basketball yesterday, if you or producer Mark want to experience real college basketball, you guys have to come watch San Diego State, ranked number four in the country right now. We have season tickets if you ever make it back out here. Well, Chris, thanks so much. Maybe producer Mark will take you up on that. Do you know about this San Diego State team? Do you know about these guys? I, I was unaware, but good for them. Number four in the country yeah, is obviously that's, very that's impressive. impressive yeah. I know enough about numbers to know I'll that time. Uh, I'll see them uh, in March Madness when I start looking at college basketball are you, again. Do you, um, are you like a, do you do the thing where you the bet The bracket? On, yeah, yes, the bracket. Oh uh, Yeah, I'm in some bracket pools, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever won? No. Uh, I'm usually very bad at them. Are you a fantasy them. football guy? Yeah, big fantasy football Because my brothers, you would like yeah. hanging out with my brothers a lot more than me. They're both really into fantasy yeah. football and very good at that's it, That's the only thing I really wager on. I actually won a league this year. One of my three leagues. Really? I did. Uh, who was your starting QB? Uh, it was Lamar Jackson, so that's why. Oh, yeah. okay. He had a good year, I assume. L- Lamar Jackson's going to be the MVP of the league. Oh. Yeah. Well, good choice then, GM, yes. GM slash producer Mark. Um, so, yeah, no, well, maybe uh, if, you know, if we get out there, we'd love to take you up on those tickets to San Diego State. Sounds like fun. Jim writes, um, I listen to you at 6 p.m. every day. Great show. Uh, what time do you tape, Jim? Thanks for listening live out there, and uh, we we go we go as much we go as much on air as close to time as we possibly can. Um, let's see here, Scott. In all fairness, you have to take what Bernie says in context. If you're trying to transform America into a socialist communist paradise, then he's highly likely correct that Donald J. Trump is one of the most dangerous presidents ever. Oh, I see. So what Scott's saying is that from Bernie's perspective, Trump is super dangerous because Bernie views Trump as a threat to the socialist takeover of America that Bernie is trying to, you know, um, I, I kind of see what you're saying. I mean, I, I still think it's a it's a grotesque exaggeration because you know, that's remember, Bernie Sanders is trying to transform america bernie sanders is not trying to preserve america as it is and and the greatness of america as it is he wants something radically different by remember he keeps saying political revolution i mean you don't call for revolution if you think things are great you just want to do it a little bit better um but yeah scott i like the outside the box thinking uh sharon if they decide to call new witnesses they should call obama did ukraine u.s i'm sorry did ukraine request U.S. military aid when the Russian military marched into Crimea. Did you give them military aid? Forget about Hunter. Uh, well, Sharon, I, I think 
uh, that, that 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 wouldn't happen, but I I appreciate where your head's at. And they would say that that was a decision that the president is allowed to make without the, the whole turning point here for the liberal argument is that it's about the personal benefit that they say Trump would have received. Oh, because of this alleged personal benefit, it is illicit. It is illicit um, for the president. It was uh, not allowed. It was wrong for him to ask Zelensky for information. So there we have it. Um, here we go. Andrea writes, we, we were served... Mongolian marmot at a diplomatic event. Marmots carry bubonic plague, and a couple of tourists died last year from eating it. Wow, that's not good. That's not that's not the way I would want to go. Bubonic plague that is scary. That is not fun. All right, good. I, interesting trivia. Thank you, Andrea. I did not I did not know that. Jack. Right. Love the show. I listen on Spotify. You and producer Mark have a good rapport. You keep doing the voice impersonations and fighting the fight, good brother. Your podcast is number one with me. I turn my brother into, uh, in law, rather, onto it in Kenya, and he loves it. He's amazed at how awful the news is here. And when he gets on Sky News and the BBC over there, I set him straight with the buckster. Well, Jack, you're bringing up a very important thing here, which is you got to pass the buck. You got to tell people about the Buck Sexton show. Your word of mouth is what makes this show grow. You know, we don't. I don't have billboards all over the country. Uh, I don't get to go on a cable news show every night and promote my stuff. So you guys are the you guys are the frontline word spreaders, if you will, of the Buck Sexton show. You are my evangelists for the Freedom Hut. So please do tell people about it. Uh, if you're ever bored and you're like, I, I don't know what I'm going to say to this person in my office or if you're on a date even. I don't know if bringing me up on a date is going to be helpful or not. That's a risk you take. But, uh, you know, you never know. Uh-oh. What do you got? Did you just insinuate that on a date, people should be like, hey, you should listen to the Buck Sex and I, show. I, Yes, I did indeed. Like, this is your first date? I'm saying if you run out of stuff, you know? If you run out of stuff and you get there, I'm no offense, Buck. No, I'm just trying the to date's say. date's not working I'm just very well. To say, but, like, if that that point, you get to figure out if, if the lady or the guy, depending on, you know. Who That's too soon. If they love freedom. You, First you know? date? Yeah, but if you want to know if they love freedom, which you should know right away, by the way. You Nowadays. Know, if, you, if you listen to this show, mm. chances are you don't want to date some commie. I'm just saying. Sure. That's what I'm here for. So you can really use me as a litmus test. There are plenty of couples out there that completely I know. differ. I know. Right wing and commie. Yeah. It, happens all, it happens all the time. But these days it's getting harder. There are all these stories about people yeah. whose marriages have been ruined That's what I'm because saying. of Trump. So do you really want on a first date to ruin it like that? Yeah. You want to get it over with right away. I guess that's fair. Yeah. You want to yeah, bring up the Buck Sexton show on a date and you'll find out if this person is in fact a Sandernista. And that's what you want to know. Sure. Yeah. See? Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm standing behind that one. I still say that if your date gets to the point that you're bringing up the Buck Sexton show, probably shouldn't be on that date anyway. I mean, people bring up Netflix shows. I don't Dif- know. Completely different. <laughs> I don't think it's that different. This show is entertainment, hey, I, too. I watch Ozark. I watch the Buck Sexton show. Same thing. I, I think it is. So listen to me. <laughs> Producer Mark's going to get a code red when no one's looking. Jeffrey. Hey, Buck. <laughs> hey, Buck. Greetings from Spokane, Washington, home of the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Glad to have you back. Ben was great in your absence, but the Freedom Hut faithful neither daily dose of the swoop. On yesterday's show, you played a uh, a clip of Greta in Davos spewing stats about climate change. Do you think she really understands any of the numbers, stats that she's claiming, or is she just reciting what she's memorized from a script? 
It's sad to see a 16-year-old kid so wrapped up in climate change hoax. Keep up the great work, Buck. P.S. High five. Your swoop is amazing, and you keep us warm and safe at night. Jeffrey has a fantastic note, a fantastic message. Uh, Greta's 17, by the way. I saw that. Uh, She must have just turned 17 recently. Jane, am I the only one who thinks it's strange that while the Dems go on and on about Trump asking Ukraine to investigate corruption, not one Democrat has asked what corruption? Because they know uh, Joe, Barry, and the rest of them were up to their eyeballs in corruption in Ukraine. Yeah, Jane, I mean, that's why I had John Solomon on yesterday, because he's been looking into this, and I just don't know if we're ever going to really get the answers that we need to get on what was going on in Ukraine, because there are a lot of people that are very invested in us not finding out that answer, but um, we'll still keep keep trying, keep looking for it. I wish I could go over there and dig for it myself, but my Ukrainian is, it's not, it's not that it's rusty, it's non-existent, so... I'm not sure that I'd be able to be that effective as an investigative journalist running around in Kiev, which is what everyone calls Kiev now. So I guess I got to go to a restaurant and order chicken Kiev instead of chicken Kiev. By the way, do you even know what is chicken Kiev? Do you even know? It's a thing. I know that. People are. I thought Kiev was a city. It is, but yeah. there's like chicken Kiev is a is a dish. You know. Do you you don't know like what a it hamburger is? is named for a place? Sure. Do you even know so what it is? Frankfurter. Um, no, as I'm saying, I don't know what chicken Kiev is, but. Like Buffalo Wings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Huh. Named for Buffalo, New York, which basically is in Canada when you really think about it. It's really far yes. away from and I, I have a friend that likes to go to Buffalo often, and he says the wings are actually as good as advertised. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. We'd hope they'd have good Buffalo wings. Sure. And now we've got on the roll call Glenn. After this impeachment is over, would it be possible to have a few discussions on cooperating with Russia to have a naval base in the Mediterranean? Glenn, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the relationship with Russia is pretty frayed right now, but uh, we'll have to see how this impeachment thing plays out. It ain't over till the fat lady. Am I allowed to say that? It ain't over till the fat lady sings. Is that like a microaggression now? You're not allowed to say these things anymore? Just say it ain't over till producer Mark sings. Producer Mark, have we ever heard you sing? No, and you never will. That guy. I we know gotta, that I'm You got to vote singing. for producer Mark to sing in the Freedom Hunt at sing. some point. We're gonna get. You got to pick a song. No. We're gonna have to like raise money for charity, uh-huh. and producer Mark will sing if we get like enough enough. I have self awareness to know that I'm bad at singing, so I don't. See, I'll tell you this: when I come into the office sometimes, or the the hut, you know, the uh, the studio here sometimes, occasionally I'm running a little behind. Occasionally. Very busy with many things. Yeah. So if producer Mark starts starts giving me too much of a hard time for that. I'll just start singing maybe a Disney classic. Uh, maybe maybe you know the Bloodhound Gang song or you know what you know I'll just sing a song. And then, and then I'll on, do this. And then I'll put on whistling, which he knows drives me into. A Is that your rage. favorite song ever? Whistle by Flo Rida. That's that's <laughs> whistling makes me completely lose my mind, and you know that. So see, he fights dirty. Everybody. I do. <laughs> he fights very dirty. Philip, war film, the big red one. Not saying it's top five, but you should see it. Also, Val Kilmer plays a Secret Service agent in Spartan, so not an actual war film. Huh. Okay, I've never even heard of Spartan, so. This is Sparta! Uh, Jesse writes, Buck Sexton team, I'm the uh, communications director for somebody we'd love to get on the show. Okay, um, we will reach out, Jesse. Thank you so much for I'm writing. Ron Burgundy? I am Ron Burgundy. Um, so, yeah. You know, I will tell you, and this is an un- unpopular opinion I have, I do not find 
I do not find Anchorman as funny as pretty much uh, everybody else. I know. People, I'm like, I don't. The last time Will Ferrell was good. It is the last time he was mm. even remotely good. But how do people stop? How do you go from being so funny to so not funny? Him and Sandler did it for a long time. A long Finally, time. Sandler came out with a good Eddie movie Murphy. again. But... Eddie Murphy went from being the funniest person in Hollywood. In I've heard his new movie on Netflix is good. What I haven't. Dolomite is my name. Oh, I don't even know what that and is. And I, I watched him host SNL. That was actually pretty good. I mean, it is amazing that people go from being super funny to not funny at all. Robert writes, Belzer ain't dead. He's just old, 75 years old. Yeah, oh. I came to the conclusion that uh, Wikipedia just has it up weird. Oh. Like, I think his brother died or it has years active, so it makes you think that he's oh, dead. I feel better now because I felt a little bad for making fun of him for a yeah. second there. So now you can call him a lib or whatever yeah, you were calling he's him a, yesterday. He's yeah, he's a lib. Belzer, that guy's a lib. Um, let's see if we get it. Billy. Hello, Buck. The Dems are, are just putting on a sideshow right now. It's Michelle Obama who's going to come out the last minute to save them. She'll get all the different intersectional vote, a lot of uh, and a lot of white votes. I hope I'm wrong, but that's what I think will happen. She's been promoting her book. I saw your comment on Tucker, and you are correct. Thank you for your work, Billy. Thank you for writing in, man. I appreciate it. Well, that's going to be it. Another fantastic Buck Sexton show in the books. Very exciting stuff, if I may say so. I'll be back here tomorrow. It's going to be amazing as it always is. Please do tell somebody. I know. Oh, by the way, subscribe. To our YouTube channel, how do they do that, producer Mark? Just uh, find us at the Buck Sexton Show. The uh, Buck you, Sexton you're going to tweet out the link YouTube. a lot. Yeah, yeah. The Buck Sexton Show on YouTube. Subscribe, please. Till tomorrow, shields high.